Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season two of The Wire. Damask Leary, how are you doing this evening? I'm very good because you honoured me with your presence in my home yes, today. Yes, uh, you might recognise a bit of an echo tonight. We apologise. We had to record this outside of the normal attic studio. Mm-hmm. We're in Damask's kitchen, which does have a bit of an echo because someone finished work late. This is true. Or was held back late. Because we have real jobs too. We don't just watch television, sadly. <laughs> but feel free to pay us to just watch TV. If you could, I'm that'd be great. Yeah. That's patreon.com slash hunting season. That's not doesn't exist yet. Ooh. Should we get straight into things? Yes, please. Let's do it. Off topic. Hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. All right. First off topic, hot topic. I just want to give straight up. A Brian Fuller Watch update. <laughs> oh, yay. Thank goodness. Because there seems to be something every week. This week's not as dramatic as some other ones, but I did notice during, uh, while I was on Twitter this week, Brian Fuller decided to tease his followers by suggesting that he would like to do or is trying to get made a Hannibal season four. Someone was asking him about like uh, something to do with TV. Would this ever get made? And he said, not until after Hannibal season four. And every all his... Big followers just went crazy about it. Right. Because that's going to happen. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's committed to that idea. Yes. Like he commits to everything else. Like he commits to everything else. Yeah. So just, to, yeah. Just I'm surprised wanted- he even bothered finishing the tweet. <laughs> Uh, Moving on from that, though, I don't have a lot of news to go over, nothing that I particularly want to bring up, but I did want to just talk about some stuff I've been watching. Uh, None of it's television, um, but I did go and see Black Panther this Mm -hmm. week, and since I'm not on a movie podcast currently, I don't get to talk about that sort of stuff. (laughs) Um, Went and saw that um, the day after it opened here in Australia. Thoughts, Uh, feelings? Very good. Really, really liked it. In the top half, if not top third of Marvel films. But I was going through the list of like Marvel movies afterwards. Because it amazes me they've made 18 films so far. Mm. And not one of them is an outright stinker. You're waiting for that really terrible one. Iron Man 2 and the first couple of Thor films aren't great. But they're not awful. None of them are awful. Mm. Um, And this is another example of them doing a really good job though. Um, it's, It's getting a lot of hype around it for a lot of good reasons. I think a lot of the things that people are seeing in the film are very true. Yeah. Its message is really interesting. It's really rich with theme and ideas, which is fantastic. It does have a fantastic villain, especially for Marvel Ooh. in Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. Like, really good. Like, standout performance, best character in the film, and easily one of the best uh, Marvel villains next to Loki. Better than Loki, probably, honestly. Just someone who you... he The best thing a villain can do is come in... And actually make you go, oh, 
fuck, he's got, he's got a point there. <laughs> he's kind of right about that. Right. And make you care about him mm-hmm. and what he's trying to do, even if he's doing it the wrong way. Um, he stands out. Michael B. George is just so good in that role. Very talented fella. Um, and Chadwick Bosman, Bosman as Chitala, as the Black Panther, is still very good. It's interesting in comparison to a lot of Marvel films, which have a lot, there's a lot of charisma and humor around their characters, like your Tony Starks and your Spider-Mans and those sorts of things, mm-hmm. or even your Thors. He is pretty straight-laced, um, which I think some people have found him maybe criticizing for being a bit boring, but honestly, I think... Maybe Marvel needs a couple of just like straight laced to the point, having yeah. internal you need conflict. A straight man, you know what I mean. And when I'm assuming everyone comes together, you can't have everyone um, constantly. Just Not everyone jokes. can be a joke machine. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, and then the cast around him is really good as well. There's um, a lot of great characters. His sister in the movie, who's sort of like this tech wizard princess, is really awesome. There's a I couple like of it. like her, her, his mother is a big uh, part in this. There's another woman, sure, can't remember her name now. Start with S H. She's like the head of like the royal guard, basically. She's mm-hmm. awesome as well. The action's pretty good most of the time. The, where it's where it, I'm sort of less enthusiastic about the movie is just where it sort of starts to fall into that very superhero Marvel thing. And I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, even that's starting to like, oh yeah, that, that stuff was fine. The third act has a big fight scene that's full of CGI and you're like, cool. <laughs> but luckily the emotion and the meaning and the story around it is really great. Yes. And definitely, definitely, definitely highly Which recommend seeing it. why we have come to love Marvel. And happy that it's having as much success as it is. It's, it's made $235 million domestically in the US in its first four days. Fuck yeah. It's the highest grossing film from Marvel or possibly of all time in those first four days, except maybe behind The Force Awakens or something like that. Right. Okay. It's ridiculous how much money this film's That's making. That's awesome. Which That's is so really, good. really cool. So, yeah, and uh, hopefully Ryan Coogler gets to, well, A, do whatever he wants, but B, make a Black Panther 2. I'm sure they're driving a truckload of money to his house as they speak. As we speak. Um, the other film I got to see was Lady Bird. I'm trying mm, to... I really s- want to see that. Trying to see um, as many Oscar Best Picture nominated films as I can. You do that every year. I do. Well, we yeah, we have a thing where we uh, have an Oscar party mm-hmm. every year, and we have a little bet. Or mm. Mm, bet's not uh, there's a yeah there's there's a game to it basically. We try and predict who the winners are, mm-hmm. and so I try to see as many of them as I can so I can go in educated. I've won two out of three of these things, so I'm feeling yeah, pretty strong right, about right. it. How many uh, have I won? Zero. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ladybird was one I was really looking forward to ever since it got announced. It got a lot of positive buzz when it was released in the US. Reviews, I think for a while there, it was at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was the best rated. It had the most reviews for a film with 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Wow. The, only, the one that had previously had it was Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. And then some asshole came along and decided to give it a bad review. And like, of course, like, there's always that guy. There's always there? that guy. It's probably Armand White. I don't know. No, he's not on Rotten Tomatoes anymore. If you ever want to look up. Just someone who is obviously trolling and I think trying. He's spoken to me about <sighs> him before, wanker. and he sounds like the worst. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's he's just an outright troll. His his stuff is can be interesting to read because it's good as a contrarian. That can be good to have that view, but so so often it's obvious that he has no actual. Mm, it's baseless. It's baseless. It's just trying to be. He's just trying to be a contrarian and just trying to get attention. Right. He's talking right when he. Yeah, no, he's he he. It's infuriating to look at and go like. Obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I don't believe that's his opinion. Right, or, uh, he's kind of like the Milo Yiannopoulos of movie reviews. That's a great way of putting it. Actually, that's exactly Thank what you. it is. That's a fantastic <laughs> analogy. Anyway, Lady Bird, um, beautifully written, beautifully acted, 
particularly by Shasha Ronan. I can't say her name. It's like Shersha. Shersha Ronan. Because I remember I watched an interview with her and she's like, it's like inertia. So it's like Shersha. Shersha. Okay, sure. But with a a cute little Irish accent. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) Um, It's a very, it's set in the early 2000s, sort of 2002, 2003, same time as The Wire, actually, interestingly Mm. enough. Um, Are they in the same universe? Yeah, possibly. (laughs) And as someone who was in high school at that time, it is a very much, it feels very almost nostalgic. Mm. I really liked it. The relationship with her and her Lady Bird and her mother is fantastic with her best friend at the time, sort of as she's coming into her own and her own sort of sexuality and just trying to figure out who she is. And It's a very much coming of age, high school coming of age story. But there was another one that came out a couple of years ago people were raving about that had Hayley... Uh, age of 17. Age of 17, which I thought was just okay. I didn't think it was mm. actually as good as the hype. I was going to go see. I was thinking about going to see and I asked you what you thought. And you're like, yeah, it was fine. It was okay. And so I didn't see it. Whereas Lady Bird <laughs> to me is the real deal. Yeah. Like it didn't feel forced. I mean, Greta Gerwig is the real deal. Greta, She's amazing. That's probably a part of it. So she yeah. wrote this and directed this film and mm. that absolutely deserves to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, I think I think it's definitely a film that mothers and daughters are going to get a lot out of mm-hmm. um, or just women in general. Girls and their friendship group around other women are going to get a lot more out of this. Not that I didn't get anything out of it. There's a lot I did get out of it, but... But you hate it's women. Not as, exactly. It. But it's not as familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So I can recognize it, but I don't identify in it, if that makes sense. Well said. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the film, but I think there are people who are going to enjoy it way more than I could only I because I of their fall perspective. In love with it, I, I think. hope you do. Yeah. I think you would really like it. I mean, it. I've Especially always she- loved Greta Gerwig stuff. Like, I love her writing. I think yeah. she's so talented. So I'm assuming that I'm going to love this one as well. Yeah, cool. I would highly recommend you check it out. And it's of the five best picture, best. Picture nominees I've seen so far. This is number two for Ooh, me. What's number one? Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which is a little controversial. Right. That's got some sort of negative backlash. It originally was getting a lot of praise. Mm. And then after it won the Golden Globe, I think, um, there was sort of this second wave of negative uh, media that came out about it, criticism that came out about it. Right. Because there was people found... There's, it's a very morally grey and dark film mm-hmm. where nobody is an obvious good person. Some people are more easy to sympathise with or their their fight or plight. There's one character in particular who has a lot of bad to him. He's actually quite racist in a lot of ways. Right. And the film ends in a place that I feel like if you look at it on the surface, you might misconstrue as being suggesting a redemptive arc. Right, but I okay. honestly feel like that if that's what the, you got away from that, you got out of that film, you weren't watching the film closely enough. Mm. I don't think that's what the film is doing It's your at fault. All. You're secretly racist. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> More just people... I thought you were just accusing me of being racist and I was I, completely on board. <laughs> I think it's very... I think it's very good to criticise these sorts of movies and make sure they... You know, if this stuff's in there, if people... if. Like Breaking Bad, we discussed the idea that maybe Walter White, they didn't do a good enough job of making sure the audience understood, some audience people understood that he was actually kind of the bad guy of that story. Yeah. That they left it a bit too morally grey. There wasn't enough for mm-hmm. some people. I think some people might have had that problem, but I don't think that's the movie's fault. Well, it's interesting. I suppose if people have that have come away with that impression, maybe it is the movie's fault. But for me, I didn't have... It wasn't something that I thought of. Right. And I think that criticism is... It might be valid that the movie... Made a mistake there, but I think the story it's telling is still really valid and interesting. Anyway, I won't get into that anymore. One last thing I want to talk about. I never talk about video games, but I love video games too. I've been playing a game called Celeste. 
It's uh, an indie game I'm playing on my Switch, but I think you can get it on PS4 and Xbox, Xbox One, I think. And it's a 2D side-scrolling platformer in the vein of like Super Meat Boy. Very fast-paced, lots of dying. But you love those games. I do. Yeah, they're really my jam. <laughs> I hate them. You love them. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's got a great like pixel art style. This is all stuff that we've seen before, but what makes it fun... It, it, you die a lot, but it all, you also restart very quickly, and so you never punish too much for your death, and it's, it's hard enough that... You have to work for your victories, but you also get a good sense of like um, sense of accomplishment when you do beat things. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, and the thing that pulls this all together, is it's got a great little story about really it's about depression and anxiety. And right, so the the story on from the outside, the plot is this girl who sort of young young adult woman who is trying to climb this mountain called Celeste Celeste Mountain, basically. And along the way, she meets a few characters and sort of has to reconcile with her own weaknesses and strengths in that. And the game does a good job of actually putting that into the mechanics of the game, as well as just telling a really good story Mm. about that. And uh, it's a pretty great little journey. It took me probably six or seven hours to finish. And um, it's not groundbreaking, but it's very well told story and really cool, really cool experience. I would like other people to try it. And they've actually got a cool thing as well, where if you're not like me and you love those punishing platformers, mm. they have an assist mode in it. So you can sort of just, there's ways of playing the game on easy mode almost. So you can get through the game, still right. enjoying the mechanics of the game, but then also make sure you don't miss out on the story that goes along yeah, with it. Yeah, right. I might um, need that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I would highly recommend people check that out. I think it was $30 Australian on the Switch. So I imagine it's probably it's $2 US. Possibly. It feels that way. I hear about things like, this game's $20 or $15, and I look on the Australian PSN. Or 60 bucks. It's like, that's not that's that's a lot more yeah. here. It sucks. That's all I've got. What about Beautiful. you? So, um, speaking of Marvel earlier. Oh, yeah. I finally, finally watched Thor Ragnarok. Oh, right. Because last week you'd seen Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes, that's right. Um, And my housemate has Plex, which is a streaming service, which I'd never never heard heard of. Yeah, I'd never heard of it either. But it's just like all movies and stuff and it's fantastic. Um, So I watched that and I loved it. Oh, right. I had so much fun watching it. Yeah. It was hilarious. It is extremely funny film. Oh yeah, no, I I was yeah, I was just having so much fun and I hadn't had that much fun, I don't think, since Guardians of the Galaxy. It's very it's got a similar aesthetic to it as Ooh, well. It's yes, not it even just it's it it's venturing into the cosmic universe. Yeah. I mean, the Thor stuff already kind of was, but it it's very specific. But uh, where yeah, it's corner, set in that. The very uh, Norse movie. mythology one, whereas yeah, and this breaks out of that, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just, I loved it. And I'm assuming, I didn't actually check this, but The Rock Dude is actually played by... Taika Waititi, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you said his name because I wasn't going to. <laughs> I've, I've only just, I've been reading it for a long time because right. it, it was getting talked about so much. Is I heard Taika Waititi? Ta- Taika Waititi or Waititi. Well, either one, I imagine, but approximately that. Right, okay, lovely. So, yeah, amazing. And I'm finally up to date again. I've been a really bad Marvel fan, so now I just need to watch Black, Black Panther, Panther, and then I'm all good. And then you're all good until until the, the next one, which is coming probably coming out next week. Did what did you think of Kate Blanchett's Hella? Hmm. Um. I love Kate Blanchett. Me too. I'm saying that. Um. As an Australian, 
Um, she's a patron. Just a person. She's of just human- the patron saint of beauty and wonder <laughs> and dignity in Australia. Um, she's, she's all we've got. Yeah, I or don't. Or Tony Collette, maybe. Not quite. Bit different, but I like them both. Yeah, no, they're both. That's because they're both amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, I love her. I I don't I don't know if she was right for, for that role. For that role. Oh. I mean, I loved her strength and dignity she brought to it. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe it was just the character design for me that I didn't love. Oh, I'm going to hardly disagree with you on that. I think I I'll- hated this the suit she was wearing. I like the ha- cool fucking helmet. That I was dope. That. It was like a spider coming at you. But I don't know that that black suit with like the green mm-hmm. lining thing. It didn't really do it for me. Like okay. I wanted her to kind of be this badass ancient thing, and she was wearing like this kind of almost techno sure suit thing. But I feel like that's always been the vibe of the that the. Thor mythology stuff inside Marvel has always sort of been that. Yes, it resembles that more yeah. Norse mythology stuff, but it's all very techno and alien and science fictiony as well. Maybe I just wanted more cape. More cape would have been cool. <laughs> she, she has very. I don't think she's got much cape at all. Actually, mm. I I really like her in that role a mm. lot. I just think the role itself wasn't. She did a better job performing the role than there was anything for her to really. I mean, work she's going to kick ass no matter what, like because yeah. she's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Um. Yeah, maybe that was it. I don't know. Uh, I liked everyone's performance in mm-hmm. it. I did think um, the chick who plays the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. She's great. Mm-hmm. Her English accent was... She is English though, isn't she? No, she's American. We sure about that? Oh, I don't know. I think she... I'm pretty sure. Live check, research check on here. <laughs> but Liam brought this up the other day and I wasn't sure either. He reckons she's from the UK. That she's actually English. Idris Elba. Yeah, no, she's American. Oh, she's American. Okay, maybe Thank maybe you. he was thinking of Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're very they're mixed up. They're both in the film. <laughs> both black people. Interesting, bro. Um, yeah. You know her yeah, English. That's what's going on. <laughs> her English accent was from all over England. Sure. Because it was. Strong. Hey, she's a space alien. Does it matter where her accent comes from, really? Well, if everyone else from Asgard has a consistent English accent, yes, it does. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> but she's great, but that, that kind of annoyed me a little bit because she'd enough. say a word. I'm like, oh, we've gone Cockney for a second, but okay. There was a lot of Cockney in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then mixed in with that like almost perfect like Queen's English accent. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's confusing Did it depend on brain. how drunk she was at the time? She sort of goes no, between drunk I, and no. sober as well. <laughs> Which is her entrance. Yeah, is how incredible. good is that? I, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to like you. And I did, which is fab. Have, so, you se- have you seen much else of Tyker's work? Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah, I've seen that. I'm trying to think. I think the other one is um, this boy. I haven't seen that. Neither oh, the, the, the Wilder People one? Is hunt that him? For, yeah, yeah, Hunt for the I Wilder People. I haven't seen that either. That's, Apparently, it's amazing. Go, that's, your, that's your mission okay. for next week. I'm, go I'm and see that. I'm typing it to my computer. Because that's so. when I was like, oh, this guy's legit. Yeah. And then when he got Thor, I was like, yep, that's going to be great. I'm and sure it was. everyone that saw that just raved about it It was probably me. my favorite film of that year, actually. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. yeah it okay. was really great. It's, it's on the list. Good. Um, so, moving past Thor, I watched the first episode of a show called Insecure, mm. which I heard is amazing. Never even heard of that one either. Um, I think it's HBO mm-hmm. and it's based on, I'm going to say her name wrong. I'm so sorry. It's either Issa Rae or Issa Rae. I'm so sorry. Would not have a clue. Um, and she had a web series on YouTube called Awkward Black Girl and then she developed it into this show, this oh, okay. comedy series. 
Um, so I've just watched the first episode. I mean, it's a pilot, so mm. I know it's going to get better, but it's still really good and I think I'm going to love it. Cool. So that's kind of exciting to have a new show to watch. Excellent. Um, I've not heard of that one. I feel like HBO has two ways of working. Either they market the shit out of something because it's massive budget and they need to, mm. or they just sort of put it out there and wait for the buzz to happen you on its own. You have to like discover it. Like yeah, people yeah. start talking about it and all of a sudden like, oh, I better go watch that. Yeah. Oh, it's on HBO. Fuck, okay. I'm pretty sure Fox Insecure out. was relatively big in America. Cool. Um, I, just as you were... Walking up, actually, I started watching the first episode of Black Lightning. Oh um, yeah, because I found out it has a uh, lesbian in it, so I'm like, oh sweet, gonna watch that. That's on Netflix here, isn't it? Yeah, it is on Netflix. Mm. Um, so far, so good. I mean, it's not great, but so far, so good. I'm, I'll probably, you know, watch it as a guilty pleasure. I think. Yep. And most importantly, my last off-topic hot topic, mm-hmm. I have chosen a RuPaul's Drag Race season for you to watch. Oh, okay, cool. Write this down. It is season five. RuPaul's Drag Race. Season five. Season five. Why, why season five or do you want to keep that a secret? So, I think... Because obviously I've watched all of them except for the first season because that was like before it was really what it is now. Sure. Um, I, like, I don't really know anyone that's watched the first season, but mm. I've heard it's just like really low bu- budget and not great. Sure. Um, but season five was the season that made me fall in love with RuPaul's Drag Race. It, well, it's sandwiched between two great seasons. Mm. So, four and six are both still really good. But this one, like, the story of that season is incredible. The characters that are in it, you know, you get your villains, your good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, just and it's got one of my favorite queens of all time. Out of curiosity, mm-hmm. how long is an average episode of RuPaul's Drag Race? Okay. So, I actually can't remember because they've changed it over the years. Oh, okay. Um, I think it might be, f- I was going to say 40, but that- doesn't sound right. I think well, it actually might right. be 40. Yeah, 40 is about right. Um, so, but what you have to do is, so you watch your episode of RuPaul's Drag Race and yeah. then they have RuPaul's Drag Race Untucked, which is while the judges are deliberating, the queens go backstage. Okay. And you just watch them ca- kind of talk to each other. And so you have to watch both. You have to watch. You have to watch you both. You have to. So that means like how many episodes in a season is there of RuPaul's Drag Race plus the Untucked stuff? Look, it's going to take you a while, but you, okay. but, you know, it's no rush. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. All right, I'll start um, digging into that. And can I watch that on Netflix or is that... It's... Because we're doing The Wire, you have Foxtel. I've got Foxtel, yeah. yeah. it's on that. Cool, all right. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. I'm sorry, it's on Stan. It's on Stan. That's right, yep. I got that too. Yep. Stan in Australia. Sorry, guys, that's really boring details. But <laughs> if you're trying to watch RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5 alongside Broad, watch it on Stan. In Australia. In Australia or wherever else. Exclusively. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of my off-topic, hot topic. All right, let's start talking then about The Wire Season 2. Ooh. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Wire Season 2 takes us back to the game of Baltimore Cops and Robbers, reuniting us with familiar faces of law enforcement and drug peddling, while also introducing us to the blue-collar world of the docks and the criminal organisation who fund the workers' union. The Season 1 core cast return, though not all get as much screen time as before, alongside newcomers Amy Ryan, Chris Bauer, Paul Ben Victor, James Ransone, and Pablo Pornstash Schreiber as Nick Sabotka. Season 2 consists of 12 episodes, each coming in at around 59 minutes, and took us approximately 11 hours and 50 minutes to watch. So, let's go through some spoiler-free thoughts and mm-hmm. a bit of a review before we get into the spoilery stuff. Um, what did you think about Season 2 of The Wire Damask? 
So in season one, I mean, the going was slow. Mm-hmm. We, we spoke about that. In Very our, deliberately paced, Joe. Yes. Um, but I was hooked within probably the first few episodes, maybe the first four episodes, but I think it was the first few. Um, so I was happy to enjoy that slower pace at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, this season, however, the this slower pace was much harder for me to swallow. Yeah. And I think that comes from expectation because – you know, we'd come to know certain characters and how they interacted with one another. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that back. And I wanted that back right now. Yeah. Um, and it's still certainly purposeful and speaks to, I think, a larger mission statement of the show, which I respect. Mm-hmm. But as a viewer, I was kind of having a bit of a tantrum, I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah, and I, I, I did enjoy this season. I did. But I certainly felt less interested in the people the police were surveying for mm-hmm. this season than the last. Um, and that might be because I find their struggle less about survival and more about maintaining the status quo. Um, That's an interesting thought, yeah. Yeah, because last season like we had the kids in the pit and they you know, didn't have really any opportunities available to them. There was like a huge lack of education and opportunities across the board. Um but here the criminals involved, you know, might most likely can find at least some form of other employment. Whether like it's a, a modest income, like it's it, it really is just about... There's, I, think, I think there's a lot of assumptions there. That's an interesting thought because mm. I, I sort of thought the same thing as well. And it's uh, one of the things because I don't think there's a spoiler to talk about this, but we're talking about the docks. We're talking about sort of blue collar work mm. and industry which um, is becoming more and more automated. And so one of the things yes. I talk about this is the idea of like robotics and like automation coming in and mm-hmm. mean there's less jobs for these people. And I've thought about this as well when people talk about like um, how well, they want to protect things like in Australia, like the coal industry, the mm-hmm. mining industry, right? And that we need to keep doing that while other people want to work progressively, want to work towards like um, sustainable energy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the argument is that, well, what's going to happen to the jobs of these people if we stop using fossil fuels? And my argument's always been transition them into job working, creation in job other creation fields. in other yeah. fields like uh, it, renewable energy, which apparently a lot of people say, and I don't have facts or stats here, but mm. correct me if I'm wrong, actually has a, a just as many, if not more jobs being created there because it's a growing industry. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting looking at this from the perspective of the people working on the mm-hmm. docks. A lot of them are middle-aged men who mm. probably have only known one thing. They've only yeah. done this their entire life. It's a family thing. There's a certain, for them, there's a certain cultural legacy there. And then it's not just about losing that culture. But then if they were even to try other employment, I don't know if they A, could find it because they're so much older. They're already struggling to find enough work mm. as there is for the people who are there. I'm not so transition? much talking about the guys who are in their late 40s into sure. their 60s who are working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking more about... Because like, while like one of the main characters is that, he's an older guy. Definitely. Um, two of the other characters who we really interact with are younger guys. Yes. Um, and they often discuss you know, other options. Yes. And so that sense of tension is depleted for me. I 100% agree with yeah. that. That's sto- the storyline revolving those two cousin characters, yeah. the younger generation one. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly I can appreciate the, you know, struggle to make enough money to buy a home or even rent a comfortable home for you and your partner or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, the di- that's a very difference between like he's one of the characters is just living with his parents, yeah. and while that's like I, I not un- ideal, it's also yeah. not horrible. There that's are white- the thing. I understand the pressure, yeah. but it's certainly less than last season yeah. that I felt for people like um, D and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. no, I hundred percent agree with that. Uh, what were your thoughts on season one? I mean, season two. Very similar. So, I, yeah, I did want to preface this that I did enjoy the season for the most part and I liked it more and more as the season went on. Um, I think a lot of things that I did like about it are the things I liked in season one. It's very well written. Mm-hmm. Um, has a very interesting dive into the murky morality stuff, which we'll talk more about in spoilers. And I still love and adore the procedural nature of the show when these people are doing police work or clever things to avoid being caught by the cops that stuff fascinates me and mm-hmm. i love the way it's they execute on it's always fun to watch people who are good at what they're doing mm-hmm. um but <laughs> i think season two is is inferior to season one in a number of ways um you said it takes a long time to get going yes which I agree with you. Uh, season one had that problem too, but season one was starting from nothing and building into a place where we got sort of it built into the show. Yeah. But once that happened, we had to learn a lot of stuff. So that's yeah. Like, season one, it felt like it truly did have a purpose. Like they were teaching us exactly how things run. And you talked about the idea as well. The show teaches you how to watch it, yeah. right? And this is interesting too because the, the ambitious thing that this season does is it we keep the two sort of main group storylines from season one going, mm-hmm. but we add in a third. That's, I assume is probably just focused on mainly this season, which this whole eyed blue collar working on the docks, you know, crime, blue collar crime type stuff is interesting. Um, but it does complicate things because you got to do a lot of learning there. And I, it, I don't, it feels like the whole show had to restart though. Like mm-hmm. the thing, the, the problem that happened, and I've talked about this before, and I, again, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, and I, hopefully I will, is this is a classic Cora season two syndrome, which we've discussed as being a problem where season one of a show happens, it ends, but it ends in a place where the show, it could have ended as a season mm. or a series finale, right? It kind of wrapped itself up. It did a good job of wrapping itself up. Mm. And, you know, you've assembled these people and then put them into a new place. That An arc was over. So when you try to continue, you've got to build them back into that world again. Mm-hmm. You've got to start them from that new resting place and throw them back in. And this show takes literally half a season to get our people from last season sort of working the way they were at yeah. the end of last season. And that sucks because I was so excited to go back and see them do more of it know, and to take too. so long to get there. And I, it's funny because we binged this over a week. Um, I I wish I binged it over a week. Right. You took you took longer or less days? Two days. Okay, right. I did it in two days. But in two days, imagine if we... I feel like if I tried to watch this on television as it came out week by week, mm. I might have struggled to be like, why... Why? This is not... I'm not... Yeah. I can't keep up with this show. When do we get back to I would to have got to episode three or four and sort of gone... I'm less interested to come back next week because you're not giving me the stuff that I loved mm-hmm. from season one. I'm not saying the season, the second season has to be the same as season one, but there are certain, if you know what your show does well, keep doing that. Yes. Like there was, there was a key pull and they, they took a long time to get there, but they did get there finally. And that was good when it happened. Um, and other elements um, that I sort of struggled with as well. It never reached an emotional peak that season one managed to do. Mm-hmm. And again, without spoilers, what that is, season one, it surprised me when it finally got to a place, did something, and I was like, oh my God, I'm in, I am more invested in this show than I thought I was. Yep. 
We talked about the sneaky emotions the that come up. Yeah, it sneaks like, up. Oh my goodness! Stealthily, I'm just so makes, invested. Makes you realize you care. Yeah. This season does not get there once. There is no point in this entire season where I had any sort of emotional reaction mm-hmm. that, like, I did. In that section of season one. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Certainly not to the extent that I did in season one. And if there was a moment that affected me emotionally, it was because of things that had happened in season one. Sure. I'll be interested to hear and what those are And not necessarily what... I don't think this season earned my emotional reaction. Yeah. I think there are, there are definitely elements that you are little tiny gut punches, but yeah. nothing that makes we me We are go, human. Oh. We do feel things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just didn't it didn't get to that which I thought was so special about the first season. Maybe yeah. go, oh my God, I care about these people. And then didn't really ever get to that sort of place again, which yep. is a bit sucky. Um, the other last sort of criticism I want to bring up as well is that something we talked about in The Good Place as well is when you have a main character, an important element of a show mm. that is so bad or annoying to you that it can <laughs> just sort of poison the well. Right. And there is one character in this season who I... <laughs> couldn't stand I wonder who it is time they were on I, Yeah, not going to spoil it But every time <laughs> As it went on And the focus remained on this person And like by the end of the season You're like, okay I know, I see what you did there But mm. I don't think I, I don't think I, It was enough for, To include that person And It just made me not want to watch When they were on Or when the attention was On them so much Yeah, I think I mean, a lot of my notes From episode to episode Were about about, I think the person you're, that you're yeah. talking about just being like, it's not working for me. I don't know what you're doing. It's not working. Yep. Yep. And then ultimately, you know, an event happens. I was like, oh, okay, I see what you were doing. But yeah, it just didn't work for me at all. Mm. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we get into spoilers? It's going to be tough not to because then we have to get straight into yeah. it. No, I don't think. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, let's just do some final score and rankings then. How would you score out of five? This season of The Wire. I'm giving it 3.5. Just it wasn't until episode six that I started to become even a little bit interested in the season. And that's halfway through the season. Yeah, that's legitimately the halfway mark. Yeah. Um, There are characters that bother me, like you were just mentioning. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, the bad guys of the season aren't as dynamic or interesting to me. No. No, I agree. So, it has to be less than... Uh, season one, and which I gave four point five, so it's a full point down. It's funny when you talk about the the bad guys, right? In this one, the criminals in this in this season. Mm. One of the things I think that helped in season one is that there was just a little more play between the cops and they were part the of the same community. That's right. We talked about mm. that in the first episode, and this one we kept at such an arm's length, yeah, that it really does feel like they're so separate mm-hmm. from each other. In fact, all three storylines are totally Very in their separate. own worlds. Yep. And so you're sort of going, and like that happens in shows. The Game of Thrones can do that. Everyone can be off doing their own separate thing. But um, yeah, this it, it was definitely poorer for it this time around compared mm-hmm. to the first season. I agree. Now I want to restate that I have uh, retroactively upped my original score for season one <laughs> to a four point five. If you didn't hear this, I did talk about this on the last episode of Hunting Seasons that I sort of had a rethink about some of my scoring, changing the rules a little bit. And this does sit somewhere between, yeah, it's it's not... It, I consider four stars to be approximately excellent mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite excellent. Yeah. It was. It got there at certain times. It was edging on it a lot of the time, but it, mm. it wasn't quite there, especially for the first half. So I'm going to give it a 3.5 as well. Should our listeners go and watch 
this or should they just keep listening to the podcast and not worry about spoilers? I mean, I think watch it just because it's The Wire and we're going to be doing three, four and five. So maybe stay up to date. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's just not as good as season one. Yeah, I think that's it. It depends on a couple of things. If you... How much time you got? It's 11 hours. Yeah, how much time you've got, I think is definitely true. I do think that from... There are a couple of events that reflect back on our core cast. Mm -hmm. But honestly, one of the things that frustrated me is I didn't feel like... I felt like a lot of those characters are pretty much in the same place they were at the start of this season. Some people have moved a little bit Mm -hmm. and a lot of them haven't. It's true. It's very (laughs) true. They've actually... I think there's a lot of setup for next season. So, I'm anticipating the next season is going to be quite good. I think it's possibly going to be a return to what made season one one good, I hope. Mm. And it won't have to do this reset-up thing that this season had to do. So, if you've seen season one and are curious, I definitely recommend starting season two. But if you aren't loving it, but are still kind of liking the show, but want to don't think like you can sit through the whole thing, come back, listen to our episode about it. Listen to Damask's wonderful overview that she's going to have in a moment. Mm, pressure. And then join us again in season three. I actually think this is a season that, yeah. I, Take it or leave it is your kind of... Maybe. Mm. I don't necessarily think... I, I think it would be okay to... I don't think there's that much to be... I mean, there is spoilers, plot spoilers, but I don't think there's enough big events or like moments that you have to experience the first time through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. Like yep. season one had that. It had that moment where it's like, I, I wouldn't want you to know that was going to happen because mm-hmm. that's going to ruin it for you. Yeah. Whereas this time around, if you keep listening um, and or if you try to start watching season two and aren't quite getting into it like we did, I don't think yeah. much we're going to talk about is going to make you go, oh, fuck, man, I wish I'd seen yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be disappointed by spoilers. Yeah, on this exactly. One. It's not yeah. going to ruin the experience mm-hmm. of what this season does well for you, if that makes sense. So in that essence... Take it or leave it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Try it. If it's not working for you, come back and listen to the show and maybe rejoin us. Start listening to when we start talking about season three. If we're enjoying that and we say go listen to it, go watch the show, then go back to it at season three. That yep. sort of thing. So that's a little bit different. Good plan. Mm-mm. In the meantime, let's start talking spoilers. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in the complete season one and two of The Wire. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Wire up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Story time with Damask. We're back on the mean streets of Baltimore. 
but also on the mean shores of Baltimore. McNulty is crooning along to Enya's classic Sail Away when he comes across the body of a young woman. This won't be the only body this episode. In fact, there'll be a whole freight load discovered by the Port Authority's most adorable officer, Beatty. The docks are run by union boss Frank Sabotka, who is doing some sneaky stuff on the side for a man only known as the Greek. While he's used to hiding and disappearing cans full of illegal goods, he's pretty bummed when he finds out that one of those cans was where all those poor women found their demise. That's not the only trouble Frank will have to deal with this season. He's got himself into a bit of a battle with Commissioner Burrell over a stained glass window. The Commissioner questions the union's ability to pay for that stained glass window, and as revenge sets up a task force to bring him down. This raises the stakes for Frank, as not only is his butt on the line, but also his nephew and son, who are involved in helping him out. When the payday for their illegal activity isn't quite paying the bills, the nephew Nick and son Ziggy decide to go into business with the Greek and his right-hand man. First they start stealing chemicals, and then they transform into full-time drug lords. Well, Nick does, and Ziggy is stuck on the outer once again with his only friend, a booze-guzzling duck. Avon and D'Angelo are still in prison. Everyone seems to be freaking out about Dee's mental health, which is weird because he seems pretty chill to me. In order to get him back on side, Avon concocts a scheme to kill a bunch of inmates with some dodgy drugs, which then opens up an opportunity to reduce their sentences by giving up some names. Dee isn't down for that plan, call him crazy, but he finds it a little extreme. Stringer doesn't take too kindly to people with commitment issues, so he orders Dee to be murdered so that he can't turn around and snitch. The death is labelled a suicide and everyone mourns his death, including Avon, who is unaware of his partner's involvement. That's not all Avon isn't aware of. The product down in the pit and the towers is getting worse and worse, and Stringer ain't too happy that he's quickly becoming the CFO of a defunct business. He decides to team up with Proposition Joe, which is a fantastic name. The price? Well, he has to give up some of Avon's hard-earned territory. I'm sure that won't come back to bite him in the bum. Avon contacts Brother Muzon to help keep his territory, which totally messes up Stringer's plans. But Stringer decides to play his own wild card and tells Omar that it was Brother Muzon that turned Brandon's pretty little face into an ashtray. Omar goes off to kill the dude that hurt his boyfriend, only to be told that the info was wrong. I mean, I'm sure Stringer is very capable, but if I could give him a little bit of advice, it's probably not to fuck over Omar, he tends to hold a grudge. Back at the police station, the task force isn't making much leeway, which is probably down to the fact that everyone working there is in fact a cadaver. And so the original gang, minus McNulty, is brought together to work on this new case. And they have that can-do attitude. They start monitoring the computer systems at the dock, and after a whole lot of reconnaissance, they are allowed to tap some of the phones. Eventually, McNulty is allowed back on the task force because he is too sad and pathetic without it. And we only had to endure about 35 gross sex scenes before we got there. Poor Frank is a little stressed when he figures out that his phones are being monitored. But things only get worse for him when Ziggy realises that taking his dick out all the time isn't the way to earn respect. Nope, all he has to do is kill one of the Greek's associates. He's promptly arrested and thrown in jail. I'm sure he'll do really well in that environment. The task force gets permission to hand out a million warrants. They search Nick's house and find a whole lot of money and drugs. They arrest Frank and his crew and they're hot on the tail of the Greek. 
Well, they think they are. The task force convinced Frank to turn on the Greek in order to get leaner sentences for Ziggy and Nick. He agrees, but not before he goes for a stroll under a bridge where the Greek guts him like a fish. Nick, understandably freaked out by this, decides to take his uncle's place and flip on the crime boss. Unfortunately for everyone involved, the Greek and his pals skip town before anyone can figure out who they really are. Oh, also Bubbles is around stealing stuff from ambulances. Good on you, Bubbles, you little scamp. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Okay, let's just start by talking about what it is when I'm talking about it sort of being like a slow start to the season, what that means. It takes them fucking six or seven episodes to get the band back together. Like the detail from season one, the thing that was so fun to watch happen, Mm -hmm. that everyone's separated. I understand that that happens at the end of season one. They all sort of like the details done. They go sit different places. Daniels gets sent down to evidence and um, McNulty gets sent onto a boat to do the dock stuff and blah, blah, blah. But to take six episodes to Mm. get back to the thing that everyone loved about your show the first season is a boneheaded move. So bad. It's also really hard because for those five, six, seven episodes, whatever it is exactly that, we have quite a few of, you know, that gang that we grew to really care about kind of investigating the same thing yeah. but not together yeah. and it's really frustrating to watch because yeah. like, obviously you know that's where it's going yeah well so you hope it's where it's going it's like yeah. why would you why would you betray that <laughs> yeah um, but the, just the fact that they're investigating the same thing yeah. tells you narratively that like oh that's where it's going to go mm-hmm. it takes like five or six hours to do that yeah, yeah. which I, I mean I get how much thought they put into every episode and the plot and the pace but that is it's too long yeah it's much 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 too long pace is important and i and like it's i know it's very deliberate Mm. but the the problem is as well the stories that are going on they're, like I said, they're so separate. The doc stuff is all happening on its own. Mm-hmm. There is, they're skirting around it, but no one's talking about Frank Spotsky yet or any of those people. No one knows who the Greek is or anything like that. Mm. They're, no, they're not going there and doing anything. They're sort of just little plays here and there and sort of trying to figure it out still. And again, that might be reflective of real life, but there's got to be a way of speeding it up. And it's funny, they start doing montages in the last three episodes of this season for some reason. Yeah, they do. They start using a lot of non-diegetic music, which we said only existed once in the first season. And they start doing montages. So they start like learning how to pace this stuff Mm. up a bit, like to move things along. Meanwhile, the Barksdale crew, they're just kind of like running out of drugs. Yeah. And like... uh, Which feels so disconnected because we have like, obviously the Barksdale crew were in the pit and the towers. Completely disconnected. And then we have Avon and Dee in prison. And it's just... So I'll be watching an episode and we're, you know, at the docks or we're at with the police who are investigating them. And then all of a sudden we're with the crew from last season yeah. doing something totally, what's is seemingly totally unrelated. And I, it, you know, a lot of the times I would just sit there questioning, I'm like, why, why are we here? I mean, I love hanging out with these people, but why are we here? I particularly am interested in D and Stringer Bell and Ooh, Stringer Avon, Bell. right? Stringer Bell in particular, right? So interesting. But when we start spending a bit of time with like the deal, like the, on the street guys mm. in the pit, I'm Was like, Bodie or something like that. Yeah, Bodie. I'm. I kind of start checking out a because 
you're a fucking murderer. Uh, you killed you killed our boy Michael B. Jordan in the last season. But also because I'm just I'm not that interested in what they're doing mm-hmm. at that point. I'm just just it's not because it's not reflecting back on the biggest story that's going on here. They are absolutely pawns right now, and mm-hmm. I couldn't care less about what yeah. they're doing. Particularly because it's the majority of it, it's about this one issue, which is the drugs are running out, the drugs are running out. The drugs are running out, the drugs are running out, the drugs are running out. The drugs are running out. I was like, how long can you be running out of something before it's actually run out? Well, there's there's two things happening here as well, I think. Number one, I'm really happy to see that part of the objective of this season was apparently to get us to a place we don't need to do this again next season. So, (laughs) So, Daniel's goes out of his way to talk about when I put this detail together, yeah. if we're successful, yeah. we're going to make this We're together ongoing- forever, together forever. <laughs> yeah. Pinky we're gonna, promise. We're going to be a special crimes unit who are just going to keep doing this. We don't have to have the get the band back together again next season. We'll just be together. Yeah. People might come and go here and there and that's going to be fine. But for the most part, everyone's going to be in the same place mm. and doing their thing. Awesome. Don't have to worry about that in the future. Yeah. Sucks that we had to do it though this time. Maybe do that in episode... Three or four. Have it. That's because that's what it took in the first season to mm-hmm. get the detail together. Was like, I think episode when two. They were in the were basement. Strangers. <laughs> it took episode two to get these people in this in the basement. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it took ages. Um, with the Barksdale stuff, this whole season feels like set up to me. This whole season, oh, no doubt, is set up for season three. It's gonna be. I think obviously, I think it's pretty obvious that Avon's gonna find out what Stringer's doing. Not only with giving up territory but also the fact that he had D killed yep. whether that's next season or seasons down the road who knows but I think it's definitely going to be a huge conflict and then one I'm like should I okay one <laughs> we're, in se- we're in spoiler talk this is fine yeah that's true does that mean for next season see I'm even more animated and excited about next season does yeah. that mean that loyalties are going to be split like on the street as to like, are you Avon's boy? Are you Stringer's boy? How do you then fight Stringer who has the run of the entire business really from prison? I think it's going to be really cool and interesting. This is in my predictions, hopes, concerns part. Mm. I was going to wrap up later, but that's exactly what I expect it's going to be. Yeah. It's it's going to be the power struggle between Stringer Bell and, and, and Avon mm-hmm. and who's loyal to who and who's got, you know, who can outsmart the other and yeah. who's got more muscle or whatever it might be. And you're going to have, we already know that there, that, our task force is already looking back at the Barksdale crew. Mm-hmm. We see Kima and McNulty Being directed back by Bubbles. Already talking about yeah, directed by, by Bubbles, and they're already talking and taking. They're already starting to do some surveillance on that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And you've and a lot of things did happen in terms of progressing and building up to that. You get the introduction of introduction of brother Bowtie, whatever his name is. You've Ugh. got Omar. Has some cameo episodes here and there where he just sort of does his wildcard thing. Give me more Omar. Yeah, more Omar, please. He's the fucking standout, isn't he? Mm-hmm. That oh, that scene in the when he's testifying to oh being an eyewitness God. to the murder, so and good. he when he throws that accusation yeah. about you know why should we trust you? You're just sort of yeah. feeding off this system of. He's like what, like you? But like you, the lawyer. I was like just stood Fuck up and applauded yes. basically. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Omar, you're great. I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fantastic scene. The and yeah, the brother introduced. You got all the stuff with D being killed. I feel like the D being killed stuff is more just tying up a loose end. They could have, they just didn't. They mm. left open from the season one. I went. There's yeah. not enough to go with here. Yeah, well, that we was that the moment way. that we're talking about in the spoiler-free section, in which like I was like, I would that affected me emotionally, not a great deal, but mm. I was like, oh, that's really sad. But but that's because of season one work. That's not. 
because of what was actually happening necessarily in season two. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because it feels like they've gone, they've backtracked a little bit. We Season one was him. He was going to flip. Mm-hmm. Then loyalty to the family. So he didn't flip. And then he was kind of going to flip again. <laughs> it's like... No, no, he wasn't. Well, it's got, it got to a point though where he where he didn't they didn't feel like he was trustworthy. Like that's yeah. Stringer got rid of well, him because that's he why, was a that's why they element. got rid of him. Yeah. But when in actual fact it was, he just didn't want to be associated with them anymore. He wanted oh. to be his own man and was going to live no totally twenty years in prison or whatever. Yeah. doing his own thing. But he's gone from not loyalty to loyalty to well, I want to remove myself from this equation yeah. so I don't have to be loyal to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like that journey was a little. I can understand what you're sort saying. Sort of. Yeah. Stopped and started and then finally just went, nah, it fizzled mm-hmm. out. Um, the one moment emotionally that I, th- that, got, that I thought was good, but again, didn't affect me like the Kima thing, was Frank's death, which mm. there is an element to the Frank character that I really like. He's a very interesting place where he, I totally sympathize with his um, trying to keep the docks going, trying to bring these people that have been working for him, he's been working with work trying to keep that culture alive and he's doing some dirty things to do it but and then struggling with the consequences of that and then what happens to his son which in Ziggy and then he's gonna put his himself on the line he's going to flip and then gets found out and gets killed by the Greek that death was like that's a tragic end to that character to a tragic character yeah but (laughs) wasn't that was as close as to for me, an emotional climax and it wasn't all that. Yeah. I was actually more affected by that because of how I knew it would make um, Beatty feel. Sure. Because I was like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that... That was more effective. In fact, in the, in the next episode was yeah. just... There's a great bit actually where she sees the body and mm. he's, it's almost like the, he's looking Staring at her. Staring at her, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that's that's hard. Ooh, that would... Close them eyes. Hurt. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the docks then, just in a bit more detail. Unless you've got something specifically you want to get to first. No, we can talk about the docks. Let's talk about Ziggy. Okay. Ziggy is a character. You He's the to. one for me that I could not stand. I found him so irritating mm-hmm. in so many ways. He's just... I, I understand that characters can be fuck-ups, and that's his entire, but that's his entire thing, I think, is it. Yeah. Like, he is designed to be a fuck-up in every single way, and it's hard to be sympathetic for someone who's a fucking moron all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, like, uh, Nick is obviously protective of him because he's his cousin, but he fucks over Nick plenty of times as well, and he doesn't listen to Nick, and it's frustrating to see Nick care about him at all when he mm. can't look after himself in the slightest. It it does feel very one note to me. It's just a good way of putting it. Very repetitive, in which you know he just fucks up, and then he fucks up, and then he fucks up, and then he fucks up. How many times do you need to make the point that this guy's going to fuck up? Whether he's being taunted into fighting someone who's a million times his size by his co-workers, or whether it's the duck dies from drinking too much, or whether it's when I mean the the bit where he goes nuts and shoots two people, that was an effective enough scene. Yeah. I just didn't give a shit about Ziggy at that point to care. I wish, when I'm thinking of a moment that really doesn't work when it comes to Ziggy, and I mean, there's a lot of them, but one in particular that sticks out is when they are kind of um, buoying him up to fight that guy. Yeah. And I was like, he must be of such low intelligence that he can't understand that they're just, they're making fun of him. Clearly, he can't kick that guy's ass. The things they are saying are 
untrue and clearly untrue, mm-hmm. um, just physically very untrue, that it makes me go, if, maybe if this character had been portrayed as overtly having a learning disability or something, like something like you can tell that he's slow and not just like this TV idiot, I guess. Yeah, that's that's the problem, right? It's yeah. a TV idiot type yeah. thing. Whereas if I saw like some complexity as to like he he doesn't want to be stupid or less intelligent than those around him. Like he really is trying um, and he, he, you know, he wants to learn but isn't given the opportunity because everyone is kind of like counts him out. That could be really interesting and seeing him like be degraded over and over again by the people that he just wants to be a part of. There would be a tragedy to that. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's so – when they're saying you're a legend on the dock, Ziggy, it's like – but that – He must know that can't be true. Well – I think the idea is he thinks for some reason he's some big shot and blah, blah, blah. And he does that bit where he starts burning the $100 note at the bar. Mm. And I was just like, everyone's telling you not flash your cash for a really logical, obvious reasons. Yeah. And then you do something so nonsensical and dumb like that. And mm. I just, I can't get on your side when you... I, I, there's nothing for me to grab onto with your yeah. character to care about when you just keep being a dumbass. Mm-hmm. It's just really frustrating to yeah. have and to for, and he, it, it, as you said, it happens over and over and over again. And there's a fuck ton of screen time kept on this character as yeah. well. That's the thing; it just keeps going back to him and his bullshit. Yeah. Um, I don't care. Yeah. Well, I think it was just like the first episode, maybe where. He, we see him flop his dick out. Yeah. Did you think, because they like earlier in that scene, they were talking about like Polish dildos or whatever. I thought it was purposely meant to be a dildo because it looks so it's fake. It's really fake, yeah. But I, but then I was like, but I was like, oh, that must have just been his real dick, I guess. No, no, that was really, oh, I mean, it was his real dick. I know it wasn't his the, real dick, but in the, in, in the within show, the show, it yeah. was meant to be his real penis. Extremely rubbery, bouncy dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I think I've got that one. Um, Is there anything about Frank in particular That we wanted to talk about Him as a As a character I I I enjoyed the complexity of his Position Mm, a lot Maybe I've I've already said this But Just The Yeah the idea of the Because we we hear a lot It's interesting in Australia And I I assume this is the same in other places The Labour Party here Which is sort of the centre left party is often associated with unions and how mm. and a lot of the right-wing media talks about like union corruption or crime and stuff like that. They get often lumped in with the idea of criminal activity mm-hmm. like mafia and those sorts of things. Um, and you see that obviously in, in lots of stories. And so to see that sort of play out a little bit as well, um, that blue-collar crime type situation was fascinating because I don't really feel like I've, I've personally experienced a lot of that. And Blue-collar crime? Well, not it not being like seen a lot of it on TV. Oh, right. I think you mean like personally in your life. I'm like, of course you haven't experienced it. No, no, more like I don't think I've seen. <laughs> I don't think I've seen lots of stories, and maybe I'm forgetting things, or maybe I just haven't watched the like, ones that are out there, like news stories and stuff. You not mean? even just news stories. I mean, like TV shows. Right. Like we often see the drug dealers, you know, whether it's black, poor, black communities, mm. and like what we saw in season one, which was really well told, but wasn't new mm. or. Yeah, I guess you do see your Italian mob stories and stuff like that. That's true too. But I feel like there's a sense of there's a little bit more um, style or something to it. The mafia and like Italian crime mobs uh, sort of have a certain image to them. Yeah. Whereas this, seeing the dock, dock workers yeah. on the dock in his office, which is one of those mm. containers. And like he is, yes, doing a dirty thing 
with these people, but he just sort of gets the the thing off the dock. He doesn't know what's in them. Yeah. He thinks it's, you know, he doesn't think he's going to harm anybody by doing this. He's making money to help keep his people working, essentially, mm. help keep his industry alive. The desperate moves of a dying breed yeah. is an interesting story. I think, you know, when we are looking at stories about, like, corrupt unions and that kind of mm. thing, usually if it's run by criminals, it's, yeah, Irish gangs or Italian gangs yeah. in which the very foundation in which all their reasons for creating a union or anything like that is to gain more power is mm-hmm. so that, that they can be corrupt. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this story, we have a legitimate union that mm-hmm. has had to turn to crime yeah, in yeah. order to survive, which which is the difference there. And, and an interesting um, kind of way to do it because, like, like you said, I haven't seen that either. Um, one scene I really want to talk about when it comes to Frank, mm-hmm. is the scene between him and the lobbyist in his office. Yeah. Which I really liked. I think, you know, Frank wants to solidify the future of the dock workers. Like that, yeah, that's his goal. That is his purpose. That's his goal. And I think that's true. I think his intentions for the most part are to do just that. Um, but because of the tragedy of who Frank is mm. and his pig-headedness and his... He, he thinks that the future can only look one way. Yep. And yeah, in his conversation with the lobbyist, that becomes really clear when he berates the guy about, you know, where his son goes to college or mm-hmm. what street his dad lives on. And the industry is obviously dying. Mm-hmm. And he knows that and has known that for a very long time. And yet, you know, he hires his son. He gets his, you know, nephew in because, you know, it is a family business, but... Mm-hmm. He knows there isn't really a future there, but he's, but he has to believe that there is, even though the evidence is contrary to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I found that conversation very interesting, and I was like, oh, I, I really like this angle that we're exploring with it, Frank here. It exemplifies the tragedy of the character mm. because you also do believe, I think, that he, if things were going well, would not be involved in criminal activity. Like mm. he would, he doesn't do this stuff with the Greek. Because he wants to... He doesn't spend that money on himself. He's no. literally paying off lobbyists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. You see the meeting. I love they show the union workers' meetings where he's talking about what they're trying to do and updates mm. on where they're going and like... Yeah. Um, all that stuff's really good. And he seems yeah. like an intelligent guy. It's interesting mm. that he fla- like he notices the flag on his phone and he uses... Mm-hmm. He communicates that. He He's not a dumb guy. No, not at all. He is... Stuck in a very bad situation that's, as you said, a partly just because of his own pickishness and he can't see outside the world that mm. he's lived his entire life through, probably, this community that he cherishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I, I really like the performance from that oh, actor. Oh, yeah, totally. I like the way that character's written. Mm-hmm. I think of the Doc stuff, he keeps it centered because if the mm. Nick and the Ziggy stuff doesn't. No. The Nick stuff, a little bit more than Ziggy, but not nearly as much as, like you said, the problem is it's hard to sympathize with a person who then just goes and makes a bunch of money selling drugs. Yeah. yeah. I think like Frank gets such a sense of purpose yes. from the union. Like that world makes sense to him and it's all he's ever known. But what I love about Frank is one element is that I think he mistakes his fear for righteousness. Sure. His fear of the unknown is transformed into this dogged campaign to keep things moving or to at least keep things as they are. Um, And I think like a great example of that is that Frank won't allow 
anyone else to be voted head of the union because like he needs to be the savior. Like that's where he finds his purpose. He's going to save everyone. He's going to do this illegal thing on the side so that he can help people. And yep. I think that gives him a great sense of value that yeah. he does, can't really find anywhere else. There was, <coughs> pardon me, there was an ongoing sort of discussion between him and the guy who was sort of meant to fall into his role next mm. year, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that they switch leadership consistently. Every two years or something, yeah. Yeah, and he wanted to do another year. And one of the reasons is basically because if he doesn't, well, all of a sudden the money they've been getting illegally in yeah. illegally to help keep their yeah, buying lobbyists and so forth mm-hmm. goes away. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that's a legitimate... Like I think that's kind of a legitimate position. Again, it's a it's yeah, a yeah. I think it's a little from ma- column A, a little yeah, from yeah. column B, and I also think that guy has clearly hinted that he knows that the money oh, yeah. that Frank is getting is from illegal means. Mm. And I think if this guy, obviously, you know, he cares about the union as well. Frank seems to respect him. Mm. I think if Frank told him about how they get money, how they are surviving, you know, I I kind of think that guy would. Continue on. Mm. Um, but Frank doesn't allow him that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's go to the cops then, the Baltimore police. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just go through a couple of characters who have specific storylines this season. Let's start with McNulty. McNulty, we already know, is not your favorite character. I just did a big old eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so his sort of story in this one, he gets, he's being pushed to the boat. He's, he's working at the height of grossness harbor. this season. <laughs> I really... was so repulsed. Sure. Yeah. <sighs> um, he obviously doesn't want to be there. He keeps poking his nose into like what's going on at Homicide, where he used to be. He's mm-hmm. trying to track down this Jane Doe and figure out who she is that he found in the harbour. He's really missing being a murder cop, as he says. And gets pushed and then eventually gets to a point where he's like, I'm just, I can't get satisfaction out of the job anymore. Maybe I can get back with my family. And so he yeah. spends a few episodes trying to get back with his wife and in with the family and that just... But it just doesn't pan out. Yeah. He gets... She's not interested. She's not interested. She They sleep together once. They flirt a bit. And then she's like, but no, this isn't yeah, going to happen. I can't trust you because yeah. you're fucked up. Yeah. And then he goes off the rails more than he already was. He's already alcoholic. He's already a womanizer. All these awful things. He gets to a point where Bunk's having a conversation with him. He can see he's desperate. He's at the edge. Yeah. And luckily, they're able to, Daniels is able to sort of push some weight around with uh, rules and mm-hmm. get McNulty back into his detail. And all of us, finally, the entire gang is back together Yay. with McNulty there. Doesn't sound like you gave a shit though much or or you were just, you just disliked McNulty so much that you didn't find that stuff too appealing or effective. Yeah, I think it really is that I just really, truly to the core of me do not like him. Yeah. I think I... Don't find him charming. I find him just sleazy. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's terrible. <laughs> I really, I just, yeah, I don't like him. And every time he's on screen and he like does that smile, I like want to vomit. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I really don't like him at all. Does it help you at all that he's a good cop? Like he's good at his job. Is there anything redeeming in that for you? I think that helped last season. Um, this season... I, I mean, I liked that he was trying to find that who that Jane Doe was. Yep. I think that was good. Um, but also, I just... It, it was hard because, like I said earlier, you know, we've got different people investigating the same thing. Yeah. And I really think I needed him with others. Yeah. In order I, to I enjoy him. Yeah. yeah. 
the what, what about just the rest of the stuff? The seeing him as gross as he is, seeing mm. a guy as flawed as he is, pushed to that point where he's got nothing. Like, yeah, a, absolutely a situation of his own mm. creation. He doesn't know how to play nice with others. He hates authority. He's unfaithful. He's a drinker. He's all these terrible things. But he was pretty pathetic at that point, and things were really, really bad for him. I, I like that scene, and partly it was because I think his relation he did it alongside Bunk, and his mm. and Bunk's relationship I think is good. Yeah, I, I they both that. they yeah. both have their foils. Bunk is a drunk as They're well, and, colleagues, and yeah. un, un, unfaithful. Um, but they they rely on each other and seeing bunk like they're so often they're jokey and you can see in bunk's drunk eyes that he's concerned. Mm. Um, I don't know, it, it, like it's not my favorite storyline, definitely. But I, I don't know what else you could do with McNulty. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of what they where they had to go with him. And maybe if we're really lucky, it might be the start of a bit of a redemptive arc for him. Could still, I imagine, if it happened, it would still have a tragic end to it because mm. that's what this show would do. But um, but maybe it's pushing the, the character in the right direction. Yeah, he sort of he sort of made some choices to not be a sleaze a couple of times. He did, he did, which was interesting. Which some was more positive choices. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I I I don't mind him when he's on the task force when he's around the. When others, he's being a cop, yeah, he's around. But the his character is purely about indulgence of his own impulses all yeah. the time. That it just makes me go. Fuck off. If you can't make the best of any situation, then I'm not interested in you. Goodbye. You don't think he made the best of a situation when he was sleeping with two prostitutes at... uh... (laughs) That's disgusting, by the way. These women are sex slaves and he knows that. It was absolutely gross. And and it was interesting. I like the lawyer who who works for the... The DA. The DA. Mm. She's reading that report and she's just fucking... Like, she slept with him before and she is disgusted with him. It's so gross. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, we've got... Kima and Daniels both sort of have sort of parallel stories mm. happening where there's friction with their partners about their choices they're making. So, Kima doesn't show up for like two episodes, I feel like. Finally, she's in like episode three. We see a bit yeah. of her and we, and we start to see she's been pushing paper around and she's, she's going to get- an indoor cat. Indoor cat. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be pulled back into Daniels' detail. And obviously, that causes tension with her partner because mm-hmm. they didn't want that. And then her partner's going to have a baby and all this stuff's going on and- how do you feel about those little storylines? There's just side individual. I wanted to details. see Kima, the cop, not Kima, the dissatisfied wife. Mm-hmm. I think um, being totally not interested in having kids. Character which as well. Is fucking like I just don't understand the reasoning behind. I don't want kids. Oh, my partner wants kids. I guess I'll just go along with it. Like that just seems so. Anyway. Well, we know, but we know that her life revolves around the job. It's the. Mm. It's. She begrudgingly agreed to not be a field cop, yeah, and then had to go back on that and get through that with her <laughs> wife. Yeah, um, uh, I don't think it's too long as big a stretch to see her th- seeing a baby. Under- you know, I, I understand. I just like think it's fucking bad life skills, but you know, Kima needed <laughs> some bad stuff going on. Yeah, no, she's too, she's too perfect, too likable, and too yeah. good at what you're, she does. You're right, you're right. But did you find it engaging enough? Because for me, I was just sort of like, no. okay, that's an obvious place for Kima to go, but I just, the drama of it's not really hitting no, me. No, I mean, it's, once again, it's it feels disconnected from what the show is trying to make me focus on. I don't know. It just felt like another element to not care about. Is this a is this a general? 
problem with the show though that the personal life stuff and the professional life stuff don't mix enough. I really don't feel mm. like the sto- the side stories we have I understand that these people are going to have their own personal lives and stuff like that, but I feel like with good storytelling those things should mix and affect each other a bit more. And it really does feel so off to the side. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want that. Yeah, I want. Really the, I want the things that are happening in their personal life to be affecting the things that are happening in their professional life a bit yeah. more. I want to see. I wonder if we'll see that so next separate. season. Like, if that does happen, then this this is a season of absolute setup. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> like this is all this was. It was Classic like, oh two. shit, yeah. we've got to undo things we did in season one, and uh, season three is gonna be better. Yeah. But in the meantime, yeah, let's get there. Yeah, maybe. Obviously, because McNulty no longer has aspirations of getting back to his wife mm-hmm. so we're not going to have that side of dissatisfaction from mcnulty that now you we're going to transfer you could go there a third time sure no, no, no i don't think so i think perhaps now we're going to transfer it to kima and perhaps daniel's that dissatisfaction with their personal life and therefore perhaps affecting their professional life sure but who knows yeah the daniel's one uh, there's a, there's a good intellectual like sparring going on with him and his wife mm. i like their relationship a lot I like. She makes some really good points. Totally, they're pretty much like done now, though, right? I mean, like they're still married done? in. They're in the same house, but he's sleeping in a spare bedroom. Oh, I'm right. pretty sure that's how they left it. Yeah, you might be right, yeah. actually. Also, Daniel's fucking ripped. Did you check the body <laughs> out on him. I did not see that coming. He's. I really like that actor, and I actually. enjoyed it. That's no, good. Mm. Um, okay. Something I also want to point out just about the way these stories unfold sometimes. There is an incredible amount of good and bad luck that happens. And I don't think it's an inaccurate representation of what field work must be like. Mm. But you see things like when they're um, Herc and uh, Carver in the car and they're like talking about fries and who has the fries and they miss, you know, one of the Greek guys yeah. leaving uh, the restaurant or how they... Um, Frank gets the picks up on the flag on his phone mm. and he uses that to figure out that something's going on or how they drive straight past the Greek at one stage. I think it's Kima just like is leaving the car park as he's walking in yeah. and think little things like that where it's just like they're so close. Um, even at the very end, the, the fate of Frank is just like timing is so just wrong. I just don't understand why you've got him there. Just be like, okay, call a lawyer now while we've got you. What do you mean? You know, oh, in that moment, they're saying like, come back tomorrow DA and do was it. Like, we'll do this tomorrow. It's like, what? Are you yeah, it seems about? a little bit ridiculous. You've got someone that that's going to break the case open yeah. for you. Um, call a lawyer there's, now. Yeah, there's Let's there's get this moving. there's a way to make that happen. Yeah, uh, and not put such a valuable asset at risk. That's mm-hmm. that's a good point. Um, but yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily that. Sometimes I complain about convenience or like mm. consequence and how that can take rot. I all these things are so tiny and sometimes don't even matter. The one with Herc and Carver in the car, yeah, I don't think even has any real impact. Yeah. It's the it's same thing a, with the tennis ball when like as soon as... The tennis Nick, ball was just a gag. Yeah, Nick rocks up and is talking. You're like, oh, they're going to get some juice. But yeah. then like the guy picks it up and whatever. That's that's essentially just a gag. In fact, I wanted to talk about Herc and Carver. Their whole storyline is kind of just a long gag that turns into dissatisfaction which has a little consequence at the end they're not coming back next season right i think i think herc might he stayed in the room carver looks like he's going to move on yeah um i i get the feeling he might move on and then come yeah. back it just the kind detail. of feel like they didn't have 
a lot to do. That's all, It's almost a meta though because yeah, that's is. kind of like they are talking about the fact they just get put on like security or surveillance details mm-hmm. or surveillance jobs and then get forgotten about. Yeah. Like Because the writers are like, oh, that's right, we've got Herc and They're kind yeah. of just there to do their job mm-hmm. and can't, and have a bit of fun here and there about it, like the bit with the tennis ball and the um and the mic. Yeah. Which I quite enjoyed that. I thought that was a funny little gag. Though they they lean on that funny a lot. But when they go they they're keeping an eye on Nick and they're like fuck this if he doesn't show up we're just going to go in there and grab him. Yeah. And then they're like oh yeah no Freeman he's already handed himself in. And it's like what the fuck? And I did at that point like they've been whinging all yeah. season about not getting enough respect. I was like, that's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. And Freeman, who's a character that I love, and even Daniels, you start to go, well, maybe you guys aren't giving these guys enough respect. And I'm that's Sorry, a, which one's Freeman? Is it Freeman? He's the black... Oh, the real, Lester. Like the, Lester. Yeah, 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 Freeman. Sorry, sorry. The yeah. Mr. Wise mm-hmm. of the group. The best fucking detective ever was. Who do you want was. to be? <laughs> Fuck yeah. But he... Like, there's the bits where they... they I think they walk into the their office and he's doing something. He just sort of like, yeah, just put it there. Be careful with it. Doesn't even fucking look at them. Yeah. It's like, I love you, but you, that is your flaw right there is you do not respect the grunts below you enough. Um, I thought that was, that was good. I'd like to explore that a little bit more. It's just a shame that at the moment Herc and Carver are basically just fucking yeah, was, jesters. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's just for the jokes. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, I mean, there isn't plot wise, there isn't really anything for them to do. Meanwhile, the other thing that continues from season one on the police side of things that fucks them over is the always the higher-ups. Number one, the whole reason this detail is brought in is because of a dumb personal grievance over a fucking stained glass window. That was like one of my first notes was like, wait, is this season starting just because of something that's going on in a stained glass window in a church? Basically, yes. That's that's the whole reason they... Is and even now Frank's detail- dead. And now Frank's dead because Fuck, of that. that exactly right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, then similarly to, pardon me, to last season, someone in a position of higher power than them is fucking them over. Last season, it was that they just wanted that, the, the case over. Mm. And this one, it's that guy who's working for the counterterrorism unit in the FBI yeah. who keeps telling the Greek about what's going on. And Frank dies because of that. And basically they miss out on capturing the Greek. And it, the big bad of all of this just seems to ultimately be People on their own side above them who have the ulterior motives. Yeah. People who are doing their own thing, not thinking of the consequences around them. It's twice they've done that without actually letting the characters participate in that, though. Mm, and I hope that we true. get into a place soon where we can not just start pointing out that nah, fucking politicians or commanders in chief or other people who are on the same side as you fucking over, but actually have to start dealing with that. Do we, you we, think we were almost there in season one. They pushed it back because it's being written by people who have experienced that and know that if you are just a cop, that you aren't really allowed to participate in that. Yeah, but I just—if that's the lesson the show's going to keep throwing at me, it's like you've told it to me twice now. Mm. Can we come to a? Can we either examine that properly yeah. and not just have it be like the? Oh, then that mm. was the way the season ends because yeah. well, I mean, they yeah, get caught th- or they get away with it. Certainly, our patterns that are emerging, whether that mm. continues on, um, and obviously. This is the second time where a season has ended where really the pe- the people get away. Yeah. That absolutely. you can't you can't win full stop. So yeah, I don't know. And I don't necessarily expect that they are always gonna win, but it, it, No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Or no. even that But we're seeing patterns. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but if you just keep if you keep doing that same pattern mm. without approaching it differently or examining that more closely, yeah. 
then I just can predict how the next season ends and great. Yeah. If it's still going <laughs> to be boring. like six episodes slow burn, yeah. then everything's happening, everything's coming together until the end something goes wrong, usually because of a higher up and then the guy that you really want gets away. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get some final thoughts? No. It's going to be a quick episode. It is. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. All right, I've got a couple of side notes. A few, actually, but hopefully they're pretty quick. Um, I think in the first or second episode, Beatty says, calls 911-911. I feel like it's the second time I've seen yeah. that in the show. I think it happened in season one, someone called 911-911 as well. Yeah. And I know it was only 2002, 2003, and maybe they collectively hadn't decided 911 was the term yeah. for it yet. But I thought that was really interesting that that's twice... That's the terminology that's being but used. But you'd never call it like one one of September, would you? No, you'd say I, eleven. I, I think the only re- I th- I've got two theories on why it is one nine one one is just one of those things because it's the police number that people just see that, and at the time maybe that's what people collectively whenever they see those numbers that was the term we were using, or someone just misread the script, saw it as nine one one, said it as nine one one, and didn't get corrected by a director or a line. Producer or anything it like that. It seems weird that that would happen. Though. I agree. But, that was, that was yeah. interesting detail. Um, I, I love examining the technology in this show. The When they're talking about technology, this 2002, 2003 stuff, they've got the digital camera in the bar and he takes out the, the huge, I think it's like a 16 megabyte card. Yeah. Like an S, like it's an old SD card that's mm. like fucking, I don't know, the size of a credit card. That's hilarious <laughs> to me. Just look at that. That is it, just a like beautiful. The way they spoke about computers. It's like, it's a computer chip you put in the computer. And there's yep. a few things like that as well. The GPS tracker uh, that they put that are like, massive. they're like VCR size. Yes. They stick to the bottom of the, <laughs> and I keep thinking the one in Breaking Bad that's like a, like a USB stick yeah, size. Yeah, uh, I just love how big they are. The C, so Herc and Carver have this, ongoing thing of like being corrupt cops so they take money and stuff. Mm. The new one, which I'd never seen before in anything, was the CA thing they were doing where they were pretending that Herc's cousin yeah, I didn't realize- or nephew was like they could like, oh yeah, he gave us this information. We said we pay him this amount. Yep. Get that money and just keep it for themselves. What an amazing little racket that is. I also just didn't know the whole process around like confidential informants and stuff. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. It okay. is interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, this is from a scene you didn't like, but I did like the the jokes or the lines for it. He, uh, he first they walk in on uh, McNulty when he's mm. with the women, and they're he's like you're late. So that was a funny line. And then as he walks out, da- they walk out. Daniels asks um, Kima and and what's his name? Burr Bunk. He's okay, and he's just like he'll live. And I was, I don't know. I just thought that right. was good. I just thought it was good lines. I laughed. <laughs> the. Uh, there was the guy on the boat when they were surveying the Greeks on the pier or on the on the coast or whatever it was. Mm. And they're talking about what he was doing with his PDA. And the, the guy that's running the boat that used to work with McNulty is like, probably sending text message. Our kids are crazy <laughs> over that. <laughs> I, did, I did laugh at that one, actually. Um, the white... There's, they're going through a list of things that they're trying to, to tie up Frank with. And they, and they mentioned white slavery. Yeah, I, I mentioned that as well. I'm like... Why that specific distinction of race? Yeah. Why white slavery? Does that get I a different sentencing than black slavery? Or 
Like what? Why yeah, white any other slavery? slavery? Yeah, it was weird, right? That was such a weird thing. Yeah, I didn't understand what that was about, and whether that's there's actual real law distinctions about that or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, or if it was she was playing to maybe she just said slavery. I checked it. it. Would, I went back and checked. She says white. Slavery. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying maybe her intention, the character's intention, was that. If she just says slavery, it's not going to hit him as hard as saying white slavery. I don't know. Oh, I really don't know. But yeah, I, I paused it as well. I'm like, why would you say white slavery? It was really odd. Mm. Um, and lastly, and I wish I thought I brought this up earlier, the brother character, right? Which is another character that's introduced, the brother Murr or whatever his name is, that is coming what? in. Brother Murr, 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 Murr. I can't remember oh. his name. The guy, yeah, the bow tie guy who yeah. gets introduced, Avon <sighs> brings him in to help. Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell gets Omar to try and take him out. Omar doesn't do it because he realised... Martin Luther cartoon, yeah. This is the thing. He is a cartoon. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't help that I've seen other characters like him do a better job. Like, I think of Gus Fring in Breaking Bad and go, that's a very similar type of character, only done... Maybe done better because it was... It comes later. I don't know. But that character is introduced, has fuck all to do, is introduced late in the season and is obviously just set up for next season. I just don't believe that he exists in the same world that it, Cheese exists in. I 100% agree. He so feels so foreign to yeah. everything else that's going on. He seems like from a completely different type of show. Yeah. Something way more pulpy and silly than this like, show is. Like, does anyone dress like that? that yeah, I why don't know. is he dressed like that? That's why I said Martin Luther cartoon, because he looks like he's from Martin the 50s. Like, uh, yeah. But I also think that if I look at all these elements, the things that happened to the Barksdale crew this season, I honestly think a lot of it could have been done inside two or three episodes next season. I mm. don't feel like enough of it happens that had to happen now. And if we just not had the Barksdale crew at all, maybe you can't for contract reasons or whatever, mm. but like have them have them at the end of this season go and have Kima and McNulty hear from Bubs that the east side somehow working with the west side crew in the towers, that's intriguing. Mm -hmm. Then we return to that and find out what's been going on. Yeah. Imagine if like with – it's like a lot of the stuff that's happening in prison is about like whether or not Dee can handle it and all that stuff. If we had come back like not in season two but in season three and we really feel like a lot of time has passed and Dee's, you know, struggling a little bit and, you know, started like taking drugs and he's trying to find out a new path for him to go down – I think that I think that would be effective doing it that way. Take D out of the equation as well, but just if you have this season, Stringer Bell has to make a deal with the East Side crew mm-hmm. because they aren't getting enough good product out in the streets. Yeah, they're running out of product. That's in case you didn't one realize. or two episodes to do that. I really <laughs> believe that didn't yeah. need a whole season to basically just get to that point. No, you could have d- developed that tension that's building that is in progress. Yeah, just a weird thing to do. What have you got? Um, points wise. Oh, for the old side note here. Yes, side notes. Um, Method Man is cheese. It's not the first show we've reviewed that he's been on. He was in Luke Cage. Oh. He gave, I'm pretty sure he gave Luke Cage his uh, hoodie. Oh, right. Um, that didn't have bullet holes. Oh, or a t-shirt or something that didn't have yeah, bullet holes yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, apparently, giving yourself a double chin counts as drunk acting. That was about uh, Dominic West's performance when he's drunk and he's just a cartoon and I hated it. We we talked about last season's actually a couple of times where the drunk acting was good. There is so much drunk bunk and so much drunk uh, McNulty and so much drunk the guys on the pier. Mm. It's actually, there's a lot of drunk acting and it starts to fade away. It's yeah. not as good as it once was. Yeah. Um, 
I love that it's a revelation that the computer would have all the records and that and that they should check it. Yes. I mean, now that'd you be the clone first the thing. PC. Like, yeah. Oh my god, the computer must have the information. But yeah, all of that stuff I love. The like the watching the little icon come down when yeah. then the thing disappears and they get the, the number yeah. on and like that whole process and watching that those old school Windows PCs. Mm. Like Windows Took XP or whatever it was. I was just like, this is great. <laughs> um, so, Beatty is yes. played by oh, Amy Ryan, that's her name, who is Holly from The Office, and I love her. Who's Holly in The Office? We haven't watched The American Office. No, who's Holly? Oh, it is too. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. And I love I was trying her. to figure out why I, I recognised her, yeah. where I recognised her from. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's oh. from your brother re-watching The Office That's in your house. That's where I've seen it, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so, it was lovely to see her. I had no idea she was in the West. That's very cool. Mm. Do you think uh, she'll be back in season three? I hope so, but I don't think so. I wonder whether she might come in into the spot that um, what's-his-name's going to leave behind because he's, he's stepping yeah. out, Carver. I, just, I thought they were going to ask her to join the group... Um, to be an official part of it. And then at the end of this season, we see her back at just doing the Port Authority thing. Yeah, so but that's like, what oh, that's where on. so many of our characters ended up just back in their normal jobs at the end of last season. I can see they're pulling her back in. There's a I there's an opening so. spot. I think putting her with Herc on the street could be really interesting too. Mm. He can like teach her because she's only just starting. Like she did that bit where she was tailing the Sergov or whatever his name yeah. was. And like she was new at it. Yeah. And it was she was fish out of water yeah. in that moment. And I would like to see... You can see that happen with Herc next season, him pass on mm. that knowledge and maybe come a bit, get more appreciation for what he does. Yeah. That's one thing I loved about season one that they had a sliver of in this season, but watching cops who were kind of diminished by their experience in the workforce, mm-hmm. in the police force, um, really grow to love what they do and grow a sense of pride in what they do. Mm-hmm. I Fucking love that in season one. Yeah. Watching, um, what's her name, Prez, you know, start off doing I crosswords and then like... truly love what they've done with his character. To great, go from like stuff. the mm-hmm. dickhead that beat a guy with his... Blinded a kid, yeah. Blinded a kid, right? To he is obviously excited about the work He's that he so does. He's so passionate about and it. And when he punches Ooh, his yeah, uncle Belchick. over Belchick, I was like, fuck yeah, man. That was great. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I was like, Belchick got checked. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, so yeah, no, I love that. And it was nice to see that in Beatty, you know, when she's tailing the guy or when she's even like lying to Frank about how she's being like changed over to like the Fairfield yes, um, yes. place. And she's just that like... That was she's her so, play too. Yeah, she's so happy about it and yeah. I loved watching that. Um, so my other side note is, and it's my last one, it just, it didn't make sense to me to kill a whole freight of sex slaves because you killed one of them and they saw it. Like, what are they going to do about that? Yeah, they well, I think that's a lot of the argument though is that it was overreaction. Any, yeah, like the, what the guy did was it's stupid, just, which is just, why they killed him though. Like, yeah. well, I mean, a he killed a lot of their property. I get that. Property, I, it was just hard for me to believe the reasoning of. Oh no, we've killed one. Kill, kill them all. It, well, it's hard because we did never got that person's perspective. Yeah, do you know, know what I mean? I it would be. I think if you'd saw that moment, then there could have been a lot going on there. You, I, I think you could have played that, but we never got that. Yeah, person's it was just straight off the bat made me go. I feel that feels like a leap to me, but okay. I mean, yeah. obviously, I went with it, but I was just saying that feels like a leap. But yeah, and that's uh, the end of my side notes. Cool. Least favorite and favorite episodes. I'll go first this time. Mm-hmm. Least favorite episode is episode three, Hot Shots. Um, it's hard for me to explain why. The main thing I've got is that I had no notes for that episode. I was sort of watching it right. and just feeling it drag out. And the very next episode, episode four, excuse me again, I noted that the show had been losing me pacing-wise. 
So yes. episode four, I started to feel like, oh, maybe they're directing these people back together again. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And noted that I, I was fading and that it was good to see the show bringing me back in. Yeah. So I'm going to give to episode three where I was sort of at my lowest with the show. I was just like, this is taking too long. Fair what enough. about you? Uh, so my least favorite, I'm, I mean, I didn't really have a least favorite cause I just, I don't know. I didn't know. Um, I mean those first five were rough, but I think I am going to go have to go with five, which is undertow. Um, it's the one where Ziggy loses his car. His car gets stolen cause he shit at being oh, a drug dealer. I forgot that even blah, fucking blah, happened. Yeah. So it's just like, that's just number what a million on things that Ziggy <laughs> does shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got all that stuff. Um, and just like a not, I just didn't feel like a lot else was happening. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with episode five. They really did lean on Ziggy to have the most stuff going on at the start while we're still getting our characters Mm. together again. And he's just so petulant. The way he gets annoyed at Nick because Nick's doing better than him and he gives him money and he, like, Mm -hmm. throws out the... It's like, fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Ziggy. I I don't care or like you. Get out of this show. My favorite episode is episode seven, Backwash. It's where I know. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Okay. Why did you not like that episode? No, it's my favorite. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but it's for the exact reasons. I was actually looking back. I try and look back at the plot again. Mm. These a lot of things happen, so they're not always great individual episodes to try and remember specifics. Like that's the episode where this happened. But it was the episode where they really started to get stuck into yes. just being super yes. cops again, yep. and they're doing the stuff with the GPS and they or not the GPS maybe at that point, but the stuff with the the docking computers and like. Just doing the surveillance and tra- tailing mm-hmm. cars. It's like, this is what this I is love. This is what I want. Yep, Please, totally. thank you for getting back to this finally. So that was my reason. Lovely. Uh, yeah, so mine was episode seven as well. Um, I mean, we see Stringer being a cold-hearted killer. Like he attends the funeral and mm. he's comforting the mom. He's, and then he's talking to Avon. Um, and that was the moment where I was like, oh, I think this is the end of Stringer. Mm-hmm. Or at least the battle's going to start. Um, do, you, do you really think that Stringer is going to... Like, Avon's going to take Stringer out. Because I think the exact opposite is going to happen. Opposite. I think Stringer is just going mm. to, like, full-on take control. Like, he is... He's already doing that. Yeah. He is just going to... He's gonna, Avon's just going to... Forget about it. Avon's mm-hmm. been in jail. Yeah. People uh, can only have loaded him for so long. Stringer's yeah. going to get to a point where... I mean... He's the smarter of the two anyway. Yeah. I think... I, f- I feel that way because Stringer is so confident mm-hmm. in that he can do anything he wants to do. Makes me go, oh, he's going to be taking down a peg or two or a whole bunch. Because I feel like it's more, I think the Omar side of things is going to be the bit that comes back to bite Stringer in the mm. in the bum less than the Avon stuff. I think Avon might find out. I mean, I don't know if Avon's going to be the one to take him down, oh, okay. but I think they're going to have a battle and I think it will end in Stringer's demise is what I think. Maybe not next season, but I think that's that's going to happen. I mean, that's probably I think hubris eventually going to happen. Shall get him. But I kind of like that he's 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 confident, but doesn't necessarily. He's not uh, outward about it. He's not showy about mm. it. He just sort of like you can see him plotting and calculating and yeah. doing his thing, telling the right people the right things, lying to the right people about stuff. Mm. Just until he m- doesn't. Until he starts lying to Omar. Until he which makes it me up go, with Omar. What the fuck are you doing that for? Fully underestimated Omar. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. So, yeah, we've got that. Uh, we see Frank get taken down about his lack of foresight, which I like. It was that scene with yeah. the lobbyist, which is probably one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, another scene is when Lester or F- Freeman, is that his last name? Yes. Uh, asks Daniels who he wants to be. And Daniels obviously is a good cop and Lester knows that. And while he might have political aspirations, he just likes doing good police work. So I really yeah. like that scene between them. Uh, we also have a... 
a funny but sad scene where Bodhi goes to the flower shop. Yeah, that was a good scene. Which is sad but quite funny. Um, and, yeah, it's when, like, Nick is spotted by, like, Herc and Carver. And I just feel like, yeah, things are moving closer to where I wanted them to be. Exactly right. Yeah. Actually, just mentioning Nick, did we talk enough about Nick, like, as a character? I like the performance. Uh, it was cool to see. I'd not Pornstash. known that actor, Pornstash, until mm-hmm. Orange is the New Black recently. So yeah. It was cool to see that he'd been doing stuff as far back as The Wire. Yeah. And I like his stuff. He gets a lot of focus. So often, though, it's in back in relation to Ziggy more yeah, than anybody else. Yeah, that's the unfortunate else. thing. I, I liked him when he was, you know, sitting on the stoop and he's comfortable. And, and he was kind of good at what he yeah, was doing. In yeah, in his role as, you know, being a bit of a drug lord and giving that guy, you know, the, the what for or whatever. And yeah, like I did like that. And I think, yeah, perhaps if he wasn't so tied to Ziggy, mm-hmm. I would have liked him more. But mm-hmm. as it were, I'm not sure I care too much. Don't you feel like they could have done something with, maybe this is backseat script writing or whatever, but. That's what we do. That's what we do. If what if Nick was actually Frank's son rather than Ziggy, right? Take Ziggy out completely, but maybe have some of what Nick's trying to do starts, you know, he needs a little bit of extra money. He's got his reasons, quote unquote, mm-hmm. for doing it. And he's the one who starts getting too heavily invested in this stuff. Maybe he doesn't have the same tragic end as Ziggy in terms of murdering someone, but mm. is the complicating factor that ultimately fucks Frank over in terms of has, he makes a bad decision based yeah, on that. I like that theory. I think perhaps there might have been a concern that people have seen that before. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, I less worry about like predictability if it's mm. just well told. Yeah, true. Like if the characters, yeah. the performances are good. And again, I think Frank is such an interesting character that he, he just, Nick being much more capable and much more confident and having him fall because he got too in over his head though because mm. he doesn't know that world would have been better than this petulant fucking Ziggy character yeah. who irritates and fucks up all the time. As long as we still were able to f- somehow put in the scene where Frank is talking to his older brother because um, he got that him that job in the union and the older brother is like, look, I'm glad I don't have to make the choices you're making. But, he's, but he's, and he was talking about like, you know, how he would do what was right. Not what was honourable, but what, what was right. I think you could still do that. I'm sure you could. I'm just saying I, I really like that scene. Sure. Mm. Uh, predictions, hopes and concerns. We've already talked about the Stringer stuff. That's pretty much what I've got. Yeah. It's just Avon versus Stringer seems like the thrust of next season and that Omar is the obvious wild card. And basically that's going to be going on and then our we're going to have our police officers just basically trying to keep up with that. Yes, they're together. And getting that back together really excites me. Is there going to be another side thing like the docks, though? Are they actually just going to go back to focus on the Barksdale crew? Or are we going to find out we're going to start following another industry or area of crime um, that we don't know about? White I, collar crime, I, I don't think know. It's corporate world or something like that. going to be mostly focus on the Barksdale stuff. But I think the intricacies of how that business is run is probably going to take us down some interesting avenues. Mm-hmm. Whether that's related to another industry or another part of Baltimore, I don't know. Well, the thing that was left over from season one was the idea that this sort of... was Maybe in- more into like Proposition Joe, whatever his name is. Which one's Proposition Joe again? The guy who has the drugs. Oh, yeah, possibly, yes. Mm. Or even just... Well, the thing that was happening in season one that we knew about was that people were there was probably money that was changing hands inside the higher ups of like the political scene. That's right. Yeah. So you wonder if we'll go back to that because that Your was the political bit that, donations they were finding. That was always the bit I wanted to get back mm, to. Don't hold to shut it down. Yeah, exactly. So and maybe now that they're not actually deliberately 
or specifically under certain people like they were before. They're their own sort of little detail now. They're not answering to Bell, Bell, Burrell or whatever. Or, but what, I feel like, I mean, he's the police commissioner, right? Mm. So I, weren't they I always? Be, I don't know how the police force works. Sorry. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us uh, at our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com, on mm. Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons, on Twitter, at Hunting Scast. Uh, you can email us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordes, uh, on Twitter, at B Gordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Um, what have I been doing on Twitter this week? There's been a lot of retweeting some interesting points about these shootings in Florida, which have been Ugh. a bit sad. A lot of Black Panther talk, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of little reviews and discussions about that. What about you, Damask? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. As for what I've been tweeting, yeah, it actually has been about gun control in America. It's funny. It's weird talking about that stuff when you don't live there. But as Australians who have We're an had, example that gun control works. Yeah, it really... It's, seen, it's frustrating. There was something I watched today and I, I commented on. It's frustrating to see the blatant lies told. The blatant lies, but even things like... The things that I find tragic are there was a video of like a school and how um, this classroom doors are all bulletproof and they're showing them learning how to like... What to do in case Doing there's drills, a shooting. Yeah. It's like I can be very happy saying I never had to worry about anything like that ever in my no. whole time at school. Ever. Ever, ever, It just ever, wasn't ever. a thing. No. We didn't have to do safety drills because of fucking shooters. No. It just wasn't a problem. And that's a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. That's a better way to live. Yeah. That's a better way to live. Yeah. And I, like, I, I tweeted something along these lines is that when we were in high school mm-hmm. or primary school into high school, Columbine was really the only one that any of us had really heard about it. And it was so larger than life. It, yeah. it almost was like cinematic in a way. You're like, I can't believe... Well, they made a pretty popular documentary about it in terms of Bonnie for Columbine, which was... I remember seeing I, it at that age. I really enjoyed that film. Super effective yeah, at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, gun control, yes. Which yeah. was like, And that happened so long ago. But like it was, yeah, this larger than life thing that happened and now it's happening on like a weekly slash bi-weekly basis it's fucking insane it's out of control you need fucking gun control laws yeah it's yeah there's a re there i mean there are multiple factors but Mm. start with fucking sensible common sense gun control laws just start there you know i'm loving with the dialogue that's happening at the moment and it feels similar to me in the way that like the Me Too campaign or yeah. the discussion around sexual harassment kind of turned this corner in which people are just like, actually, this. no, this is fucked. Yeah. Let's really be honest and like blatant about what's happening and let's make some real political or structural changes mm. to, to combat it. And I feel like that conversation is kind of happening now around gun reform. The argument of it's no long, it's not appropriate to talk about it immediately after the event has been that statement has been sidelined by the people who are directly affected yeah. saying no 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 we want to talk about it because like 17 of my friends just fucking died yeah that well the two things are happening mm. that i agree that whole argument is officially shattered as far Ugh. as I'm concerned yeah you can't return to that when you've got these vocal teens mm-hmm. who were have been amazing i might say but not only that's something that's brilliant that they did that i love is like if you uh, we agree to some degree this idea that we need to respect those who are grieving so let's set a date let's make yeah. it 
March, whatever it is, I think it's March 14th or something like that. It's like, this is the day where we're going to talk and campaign about it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to say that right now isn't the time, fine. Instead, this is. Yeah, exactly. Let's not fuck around and make set a date. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so practical and cool. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at Shawnee Boy Draws on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to Jordan Calavis for our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash classicjrex. And also thank you to Lucas Heil for our bumpers. You can find his work at birthdayloyaltyclub.com. Club.com. That's birthdayloyaltyclub.com. Their stuff is amazing. It Particularly is. if you like things like Tim and Eric and stuff, they're fucking brilliant. Hilarious. Look up their stuff at the, on the website. Look them up on YouTube as well. Um, there's a series I helped um, make with them called Trying My Best, which is great. So funny. And you should check that out. Um, also, if you're enjoying what we do, please um, like, subscribe. We don't on YouTube. Give us some stars <laughs> on iTunes, on uh, Google Play and whatever it is you Use find us. Use the micro chip in your computer and research something there you go just, just nailed it just just share us around let people know that we mm. exist um next week we will be back to talk about the good place season two with our good friend sean kirkpatrick once again in the meantime thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time bye for now bye earbuds melbourne's podcast network EarbudsNetwork.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.